Welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or hey, hi, hello, if you're joining for the first time. I'm your introverted host, Chelsea Brown, or C. Brown in my writing life. This week, I wanted to talk about something that has been a major part of my life, especially the last seven years, and that's traveling. I've been lucky enough to have been to six out of seven continents. I'm just missing Antarctica, and I personally think that traveling is something everyone should do, especially international travel. But before we get into that, let's do a quick life update and talk about what I'm consuming now. So the bad news is I'm dealing with a really annoying knee injury. I think I overworked it playing tennis, and now it just hurts. Any twisting motion is pretty uncomfortable, and I can't keep it bent for too long without some substantial discomfort. Even walking my dog is not great, and I have to ice it afterward to get rid of some of the swelling. The good news is I have a specialist appointment in a week or so. I'm really hoping he's like, oh, you just strained it. Here, use this brace. Make sure you keep icing it. You're fine. What I'm afraid he's going to say is that I actually damaged something and I need surgery. I want to continue being active and I can't do that currently. So I guess if surgery is necessary, then that's what I'll do. But I'm not one of those people that's like super excited about going under the knife. I do know that being active at least three times a week is really good and really important for my mental health, so not being able to do that is taking its toll. It's also really important that I get this ability back, and having had sports injuries before, I'm worried that I won't. I had fractured my hip in high school playing soccer, and ever since then, I've not been able to play like I want to, and I don't have the same range of motion in my right hip that I do in my left uninjured hip. I'm trying to distract myself by immersing myself in other stuff, but it's a nagging pain that's a constant reminder that I'm not at 100%. So now on to the stuff I'm using to distract myself. As you may know, the long-awaited Black Widow movie came out July 9th. I watched it that very day, and I really love not having to go to the movie theater to watch a new release. There is absolutely nothing worse than someone talking through a movie you've been dying to see. And I honestly become a whole other person in the movie theater. I take no crap and will call anyone out in a second for disrupting the movie. I remember going to see Get Out in theaters years ago, and I was super psyched to see it finally. There was just me and my husband in the theater at first, and I thought we were going to get lucky. Then two more people come in, and I'm like, okay, could still be fine. One person sits a couple seats down from us, even though the rest of the theater is empty and proceeds to have a full conversation on the phone. The other person sits a few rows below us and starts unloading what must have been the whole McDonald's menu. I mean, good on you for getting reasonably priced food in here, but also can you not crinkle the wrappers as loud as possible? Now, normally I would say something, but at that point I'm like, what's the point of calling these people out? Is it worth it? I decided it wasn't, and we ended up just leaving the movie and waiting for it to come out on iTunes to rent, which was so disappointing at the time, but now we have upgraded our TV watching experience, so we have a great sound system, comfy couch, the works. Better than a theater, in my opinion. And personally, I hope we keep this ability to rent a movie from home on the same day it releases. About Black Widow, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I'll tell you what I thought of it overall. 
I'll say it wasn't a bad movie, but it also didn't meet my expectations. It had the feel of Thor Ragnarok, so it had some fun comedy elements in there, which was great. But I kind of thought the movie would be more focused on Black Widow's backstory and how she became who she is. While there was definitely some mention of how she became Black Widow, there really weren't many of the specifics I was looking for. I feel like I got more of a taste of her backstory in Age of Ultron than I did in her own movie, which was more about what happened chronologically with Black Widow after the Captain America Civil War movie. For me, it's a 7 out of 10. I think I'll have to rewatch it without expectations and see if my opinion changes. I've seen people going crazy over this movie, but its rating on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes pretty much aligns with how I'm feeling about it. On the reality TV side, I'm watching Love Island US. I absolutely love this show. My husband and I have watched all of the UK, US, and Australia seasons. Are there any other countries that do this? Because I will totally watch those too. I love watching relationships and friendships form on the show. Honestly, I think I like it so much because it's like ultimate people watching. You see these private conversations with clear video and clear audio. No need to kind of angle your chair at a restaurant. Not that I've ever done that. Not at all. Totally not me. I've also never tried to read lips from across the room nor do I follow any of the overheard accounts on Instagram. Definitely not. Okay, yes, I do all of these things. People watching is one of my favorite things to do. I like seeing the little micro expressions people make and hearing the things they say when they think no one can hear them. It makes for really good writing fodder. As for reading, I did finally put down my lighter reads and dove into the kidnapping serial killer series I was reading a while back. I'm on the second book of the Collector series by Dot Hutchinson, titled Roses of May. I'll be honest, this second book isn't hitting out of the park like the first book did. I absolutely could not put down the Butterfly Garden, which is the first book. Roses of May switches points of view a lot between three or four characters, and honestly, it's kind of difficult to keep them all straight. It also feels like part of the story repeat themselves. And not like in a big reveal type of way, but more like trying to fill the pages kind of way. Which is a little alarming because there are four books in this series. But to be honest, I did finish it. The reveal of the killer was a bit predictable for me. It was one of those things where the author shows a character really fast and never brings them back. They're going to be the ones behind the killings nine times out of ten. But it was a good stormy day read. I'll give it three out of five stars, I guess, maybe 3.5. When I finished that, I started The Mother-in-Law by Sally Hepworth. I'm really excited for this one because it's been highly recommended to me, and I already feel my dark and twisted creative juices flowing with good ideas from my book. I also might pick up the next book in the Merciless series by Danielle Vega. This is a YA horror series, but it gives such good, creepy, exorcist-type vibes that I think will help me get writing. I try not to talk about COVID on this podcast. There has been nothing worse than watching a TV show that can't stop mentioning the virus. Like, I get it. I lived it. I'm currently living it. And I don't watch this show to be reminded of my own problems. But there's something really weighing on my mind that I'm having trouble even verbalizing in real life. So 
someone close to me and I go on a trip every year together. We never see each other. We live in different states. So it's a really fun weekend for us to reconnect and get caught up. Obviously, in 2020, we didn't make our trip. 2021, much the same. So we're aiming for January of 2022. This person that I take the trips with flat out refuses to get vaccinated. Now, I'm not out here trying to tell anyone what to do with their bodies. I worry about myself, though truthfully, I got vaccinated not just for me, but for those people who can't get the vaccine, like people with vaccine allergies, weakened immune systems, or even people who are just too young to get it. Anyway, this person has none of those things. They simply believe the virus is being blown out of proportion, and I quote, If it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Death doesn't care. End quote. But just as this person is well within their rights to refuse to get the vaccine for whatever reason they deem fit, I am also within my rights to refuse to be around someone who doesn't have the minimum protection from a deadly virus for themselves and others. Especially because we had discussed going to Disney together and we would probably be staying in the same hotel room. Talk about a petri dish, right? Unfortunately, I feel like this means I won't be traveling with this person in the near future, which kind of sucks. Not only because I enjoy our trips together and I want to go, but I have this sneaking suspicion it will bring about a ton of drama I don't have the energy for. But it's just not worth the risk, in my opinion. And who knows, the world might look different in January. But in the meantime, I'll be following all precautions I have at my disposal, especially when traveling. And travel is something I really do miss from pre-COVID days. One year, I was gone more often than I was home, which was actually super tiring looking back. But international travel is something I feel is very important for everyone to do at least once. Being a visitor in another culture has a way of opening your eyes to the world around you in a way that you just can't get from staying in your hometown forever. I've been traveling internationally since 2014. Before that, I'd been around the United States and to Canada and Mexico. For both of those trips, I didn't need a passport at the time. Am I aging myself? Oh well. Anyway, Canada was more of a pass-through trip on the way to somewhere else. It worked out that it was faster to go through Canada than to drive around the Great Lakes. For Mexico, I remember going to Matamoros with my mom for this absolutely gigantic flea market. I got this tiny beaded bag that could probably fit a quarter inside. Maybe two quarters if you squeeze them in just right. But I didn't really buy it for its storage abilities. The colors of the beads were just mesmerizing to me. I also think we bought some pottery while we were there. That sounds vaguely familiar, but truthfully, it was over 20 years ago, so I could be making that up. So in 2014, I was dating my now husband, Donovan. He was working for a major tech company, and they flew him all over the world to speak to customers and at conferences. Lucky for me, he actually kind of liked me a little bit, so I got to travel with him. There is no bigger test for a relationship, in my opinion, than being with the person 24-7 for weeks on end. Luckily, we get along very well, so it turned out to be a non-issue. My very first international trip was to Barcelona in Spain. It was absolutely incredible. The people in Barcelona are stunning. I mean, truly, there was not a single ugly person in the whole city. I'm not an unattractive person, but I was truly the most hideous creature 
and all of Barcelona, including the animals too, probably. Not to mention, the food was amazing. We had this paella there that was absolutely to die for. We probably got it three or four times. I also remember doing the Segway tour of the city. It was hot during the day, but freezing at night. So by the time the tour was over, Donovan and I are shivering. But it was such a stunning city, especially the architecture. I would go back in a heartbeat. I would freeze my butt off again in a heartbeat. While we were there, I learned about being in the moment, truly in the moment, and enjoying what's around you, not taking pictures of everything. We didn't even have cell phone data access while we were there unless we were at the hotel, which forced us to actually look at the world while we were out. So that's how I popped my international travel cherry. It was absolutely beautiful. The next place I went was Hyderabad, India. Talk about a completely different experience and one that I consider life-changing. I'm not going to tell you about like some spiritual experience or whatever, but it did change my perspective on life forever. So we're in a market area, Donovan and I, and a tour guide, when all of a sudden I feel this little tap, tap, tap at my hip bone. I look down and there's this little girl, I'd say maybe seven years old, dressed in a little blue kurti, barefoot, begging for money. And I had absolutely no money on me, Indian rupee or otherwise. But looking down at that girl with her big brown eyes absolutely broke my heart. At seven years old, I was in a club soccer league. I was living in Oregon on a military base with my family with no question of if there would be a roof over my head or if I would have food on the table. At seven years old, it never once crossed my mind that I might have to go beg for money. We weren't like well off by any means, but we made do just fine. The image of that little girl at my hip with her hand out has stuck with me for years. I know I take a lot for granted. As a person that lives in the U.S. who is financially comfortable with a house and healthcare, there are so many things I don't even think about. The level of poverty I saw in India was mind-blowing. As an example, there were tents that people would live in made out of taped together potato chip bags, not even canvas or any kind of fabric, potato chip bags. I've never seen that before. While I was there, I did something I usually don't do now. I ventured out to explore by myself. I arranged for a car to bring me to the little shopping center nearby. It was technically close enough to walk, but the roads in India seemed very dangerous, especially to someone not used to that kind of traffic. Any lines on the road seemed to be more a suggestion than rule because cars were packed into every inch of available space and there were no clear crosswalks. So I had a car bring me to the shopping center. I spent a few hours there looking around for jewelry and people watching, of course. Finally, I'm ready to go back to the hotel and I call the number the driver gave me. My phone refuses to connect. It was at that point I start to panic. Now I have a T-Mobile plan that will give me service anywhere in the world. When I took this trip, I didn't have that plan. I didn't have a SIM that would enable me to make that call. So my phone can't make the call. I'm sitting outside trying over and over again to get my phone to connect, hoping it will work, but it doesn't work, obviously, right? Finally, I see a security guard. I go over to him praying that he speaks at least a little English because I don't know any Hindi. By some insane stroke of luck, he did, 
and he let me use his phone to call the hotel for the car to come get me. The adventure doesn't stop there, though. So the car comes, and the driver asks me if I found what I was looking for. I tell him, no, not really. I was looking for some jewelry, something specific. So he's like, I know just the place if you're willing to take a quick drive. Now, me today would say no thank you and head on back to the hotel. I'm a pretty fearful person, especially with the rise of sex trafficking, but that's a conversation for another day. But apparently, me in 2014 was wild and free because 2014 me said, yeah, sure, let's go. So we go and we're chatting. Everything is fine. We take a turn and we're in this weird area. No paved roads, no signs whatsoever. Even 2014 me was like, oh, no, I have made a mistake. But the driver is super kind brings me to the jewelry store he knew, and the shopkeeper shows me a few pieces, and finally I find what I was looking for, a pair of anklets. I'd seen them everywhere on women since arriving in India. I learned they were typically worn by married women. I was unmarried at the time, but unmarried women wore them as well to symbolize their bravery and pride. So I walked out of there with my jingling silver anklets, feeling like I'd earned my tokens of bravery. I also ended up wearing them at my wedding since they had blue stones, which I thought was a lovely thing. So poverty and slightly sketchy car ride aside, India was not at all my worst trip. I actually learned a lot, like I said, and came home with a new appreciation for how easy my life is, even on my worst day. The worst trip I've ever taken was to a place that's known for its tourism, which is Rome in Italy. There's this vibe in Rome, like you as a tourist are inconveniencing everybody around you. Which like, yes, true. I've lived in a tourist-heavy town, and it can be really obnoxious, especially during the high-traffic months. So imagining all these people flooding my city constantly and always making me late for work, yeah, I totally get it. And because it was very touristy, you couldn't get that authentic Italian food without knowing where to go. Naturally, we didn't know where to go, so our hunt for Italian foods was a bust. But we did take this tour that brought us to a gelato place. This place had chocolate mousse gelato. Oh my goodness, it was so good. We went back every day of our trip just for the gelato. And of course, we saw the Colosseum, we were near the Vatican, but chose not to wait the many hours it would take to get inside. We visited the Pantheon, we did all the touristy things you're told to do, but it was just not what we were hoping for. I think there was all this hype about Rome, and it just couldn't live up to it no matter what. We might give Italy another try, and try Florence or Venice, but Rome is checked off and has a do not return asterisk next to it for us. The best part of traveling for me, besides seeing new cultures, is the food. I love to try new foods, discover new flavors, and to tell you the truth, I think a lot of culture is rooted in food and is a good way to immerse yourself. Everything from the presentation to the rituals to even the smells. I have felt most like I was experiencing a culture when trying local cuisine. In 2020, we had been planning to take a trip to Thailand with a possible stop in Japan for a few days as well. I was so excited for this trip, but most of all, excited for the food. 
Of course, these are beautiful countries that are rich in culture outside of food, but the food is what got me, I gotta say. Imagine how sad I was when we had to cancel this trip. We will definitely reschedule, but until then, I'll just have to imagine what I missed out on. I know a ton of people that have never left the country, and yes, I get that travel can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be. Bali is on my list of places I want to go, and you can rent a room there for as little as 13 US dollars per night. If that's not budget travel, I don't know what is. I think we can all get caught up in this social media thing where you have to post all the expensive stuff you have and all the money you spent on your trips. And honestly, to me, that's a waste of time. I'm not out here traveling as some kind of status symbol. I truly believe it's important. We were put on this blue marble in the middle of the black vastness of space, and you're telling me you want to stay on your one cubic millimeter of the earth? If you surround yourself with the same people and the same viewpoints, how can you ever expect to expand your own views? And of course, that brings us to the fact that maybe some people don't want to do that. They're comfortable where they are, surrounded by people who think exactly like them. Well, let me tell you, there is growth in discomfort. Tell me you aren't more empathetic to non-English speakers in America when you've been in a country where you can't even read the signs. Tell me you're not grateful for the fact you've been able to afford a car and sit in traffic after seeing a family of five piled onto a single motorcycle. Tell me you're not less upset after having a burst pipe and no heat, after having been somewhere where the city water isn't safe to drink, and the percentage of people below the poverty line is more than 20%. There's a slam poet named Rudy Francisco who said, It doesn't matter if the glass is half empty or half full, at least there's water in the cup. Think about that for a second. How lucky are we to have problems so small that we can verbalize them in 280 characters or less. And I don't think travel is important only for the fact that you can see how lucky you are. It's important to see beauty outside your usual surroundings. Don't get caught up in this idea that your little piece of the world is the best piece of the world. There is so much out there. There are wild animals that might be extinct in the next few years. Amazing feats of human engineering and nature that is terrifying in its power. Why would you choose to stay in your hometown for your entire life when there's a whole world out there? And I do believe this is a choice outside, of course, extenuating circumstances like an illness or needing to care for others. Now, I'm not out here trying to shame anybody. I'm just saying that we make time and space for things that we actually want to happen. And to be clear, while I'm talking about international travel, I think domestic travel is also just as important. Especially in the U.S., I think we forget just how massive our country is. I live in Texas, and just Texas can take 12 hours to drive through depending where you start. And mind you, the speed limits in Texas, especially on the big highways, can be around 75 miles an hour. So you're flying, and it still takes that long. When I was a kid, I grew up in a military family, which meant we moved every three years or so. We only moved within the continental U.S., sadly, but I really do wish we'd had the chance to move to Puerto Rico or even just Alaska. 
So travel has kind of been a part of me since I was young, and I do think it helped make me the person I am today. While I am super introverted, I have the ability to fit into any social situation or conversation. Would I rather be at home with my dog and my husband, marathoning Ink Master? You bet I would. But being able to adapt into these different situations, being able to get along with just about anyone, has been invaluable to me as an adult. The art of conversation is truly underrated, and it's something I've been able to learn throughout being exposed to all these different people and cultures within the U.S. Because this country is so huge, there are tons of different cultures all wrapped up in here. You remember the melting pot versus salad bowl thing from history class? The melting pot is a homogenous mixture, meaning everything kind of mixes together to form one new thing. A salad bowl is a heterogeneous mixture, which means every piece is still distinct from the rest despite being mixed together. I think in the U.S. we have some of both. There are places where cultures mix together and become something new seamlessly, and there are other places where cultures and beliefs are very distinct, and you can be like, oh, I'm in the South based on this, or I'm in New York based on this. So traveling to places in your country that are different from where you live can also be extremely valuable for broadening your worldview. But do remember that there's a whole world out there. We have the privilege to live here, to exist on this floating rock. Let's appreciate it and appreciate all the people and cultures on it. And with that, we're about at the end of our time together. I will see you guys in a couple of Tuesdays. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at WriteCBrown, W-R-I-T-E-C Brown, or follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at YourSoQuietPod for some memes and to stay up to date on new episodes. You can also visit my blog and website at cbrownauthor.com, where I have more essays, poems, and book reviews. And of course, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, share on social media, whatever you can think of. Everything really helps to grow this podcast. Until next time.